of a crop farm. Plenty of land with good, rich soil. Tractor or two, maybe a cultivator, seeder, sprayer, a combine harvester. With the right formula, fingers crossed, of sun and rain and temperature. And with the farmer's eye ever fixed on the sky and what it might bring, hoping for a bountiful harvest. Well, today, there's a very different type of farm taking shape. And what sets this one apart is what it doesn't have. No tractors, no traditional equipment, no weeds, no outdoors, and hence no weather. Oh, and no soil. This farm trades the bucolic countryside for a warehouse like this one in an industrial park in New Jersey. This is a vertical farm with level upon level of leafy greens towering towards the ceiling. As you're about to hear, with the help of technology, they're grown with up to 95% less water, no pesticides, and as much as 390 times the productivity per square foot compared to a traditional field farm. You get the feeling, we're not in Kansas anymore. I'm Danielle Applestone, engineer, entrepreneur, and long ago helper in my mother's garden, where our idea of vertical farming was sugar snap peas and a trellis from the hardware store. This is Technology Powers X. In this episode, Technology Powers Sustainable Agriculture. The first thing you notice about aero farms is its location. In Newark, part of the New York, Newark, Jersey City metropolitan area, the most populated chunk of land in America. Where better to make a point that vertical farming may hold the key to sustainably feeding vast 21st century urban populations? From the beginning, technology has been intertwined with American agriculture, but this is a whole new prospect. This is the farm growing up. David Rosenberg is CEO of Aero Farms. We stack level upon level of growing. So typically in a modern warehouse that has 50 feet high ceiling heights, we'll pack in 12 or so levels of growing plants. I say 12 or so because it depends on what plants we're growing. Some plants are taller, some plants are shorter. But 12 is about what we could fit in in a 50-foot high ceiling height with leafy greens. To AeroFarm's co-founder and chief marketing officer, Mark Oshima, this adds, literally, a new dimension to conventional farm thinking. So this is all of a sudden thinking about growing per cubic foot, no longer the square foot. But what's exciting is that we've grown over 800 different types of crops. And the idea that we can have a major impact uh, in so many different areas of agriculture. Uh, today, our commercial farms are actually focused and been optimized for short stem leafy greens and herbs. It's where we have some of the biggest advantages. Uh, we're able to grow that exact same product that out in the field may take 30 to 45 days to grow. We can grow in 12 to 14 days. How? By using technology, by understanding what the plant needs. And we really think of ourselves as the plant whisperer, giving the plants exactly what they need when they need it to optimize their growing process. To David Rosenberg, Part of the genius of urban indoor farming is that it removes the constrictions of time, seasons, and distance to market. 
There are trends towards fresh food. People want fresh food. And a lot of plants that people also want food 365 days a year. And a lot of plants are very sensitive to temperature, humidity, seasonality. So a lot of our food comes from faraway places. And then we also have to, as a consequence, harvest not when it's ripe. So it, by the time it gets to its destination, it's ready to be eaten. And it's not an ideal way of managing the supply chain and growing plants. And sometimes, again, for that 365-day demand, we have to grow further and further away. So at Aero Farms, we control temperature, humidity, all of the environmental conditions enabling local food production at scale, whether local is on the equator or in the North Pole, we could create the environmental conditions that are right for the plant. So far, AeroFarms has been able to grow over 800 different varieties of food, from leafy greens to fruits to vine and root crops. While that crop grows for a few minutes, come with me and I'll show you how vertical farming first came to be. This is Columbia University, 22 miles away and about 20 years ago. It was here that the concept of vertical farming was first germinated. Dixon de Pommier was teaching a course called Medical Ecology at Columbia University's School of Public Health and School of Medicine. His graduate students wanted to work on a rooftop gardening project to see how many could be fed from the flat tops of Manhattan buildings. After six weeks of study, they determined that such gardens could only help feed 2% of Manhattan, woefully short of the sustainability they had hoped for. That's when Professor de Pommier, now retired, had a moment of epiphany. That last day when they got so depressed, I turned to them and said, imagine what your idea would be like if we could take the farm on the roof and move it inside the building itself. And that's when I thought, at least in my mind, uh, the idea of vertical farming occurred to me. I had never thought about it before. Professor de Pommier is quick to add that many others would help develop the idea. Farming 12,000 years ago didn't exist. 10,000 years ago, it barely existed. And today, it occupies a landmass. If you added it all up together, it would be larger than the, South, the, the continent of South America. Now, in the meantime, of course, we've had to replace nature with farms. For the most part, Europe and the United States and Canada have cleared hardwood forests to make room for crops. And what, has, what that has done is to short-circuit the Earth's um, perhaps 400 million-year-old solution to carbon sequestration because trees are made out of carbon, solid carbon. And in fact, their weight can be measured in tons of carbon because their trunks are so dense. As you can imagine, growing crops indoors without sun and soil requires a number of workarounds. One is the use of hydroponics, a concept developed in the 1930s, but whose idea is much older. Another is adding nutrients through fertilizers. That leaves the issue of light. Well, it started out with incandescent lights, and of course they didn't work out too well. They're only 5% efficient, and they generate more heat than they do light. <clears throat> and then we switched to fluorescent lights, 
back in the 1990s, and, and that was a big improvement. Uh, we got less heat and more light. And it was good. But then came a lighting technology that changed everything. David Rosenberg. The enabler for vertical farming was the cost points of LEDs, light-emitting diodes. And as the capex and the operating cost, the efficiency of a diode improved, that enabled our industry. So before that, whether it's high-pressure sodium or candescent lights, the economics, there was so much waste heat that the economics didn't work. The, the life cycle of the bulb didn't work. So now an LED, even when we started, would last the attenuation, which means the, the life of that LED went from four years to eight years, and the efficiency really improved. So we're innovating along that. And with LEDs, we could really separate the different spectrum of light. Plants, it turns out, don't need a lot of the spectrum, like yellow spectrum, which really adds a lot of the heat load of the diode of the luminaire. So we're able to really give the plants what they want, which is mostly reds and blues, which are also a cooler spectrum, meaning they don't burn as much heat. So we don't have as much waste heat as much as waste energy. So as LEDs and the economics and the innovation around LEDs improved, that enabled vertical farming. It was the quest for sustainability that inspired Aero Farms to explore a way to farm with neither hydroponics nor soil. Their solution was something called aeroponics, using a reusable growing medium that requires less water than hydroponics and field farming. Mark Oshima. The circular economy is a big part of our ethos. You know, how do we do more with less? And our growing medium, it's actually a reusable medium uh, it's made out of recycled uh, plastic. Uh, we're taking water bottles out of the waste stream and we're converting it into a reusable growing medium that is all of a sudden taking waste and turning it into something green and productive. And so we're able to use that cloth uh, multiple times. And so just to paint the picture, you know, we're able to plant the seed uh, on the cloth. We start the germination process. We're able to accelerate. We're able to trick that seed into that initial growing process. So what out in the field may take five to seven days, we can actually do within hours and start that growing process. Uh, and then it goes into our growing system and we're delivering the optimal nutrients, light, uh, but there's other variables. There, there's air, there's temperature, there's CO2. And we're putting it together a holistic approach in terms of how we're capturing data to be able to optimize the plants. That holistic approach permeates the entire corporate culture of AeroFarms, whose very buildings are, in a sense, recycled. One of the best ways to imagine what AeroFarms is doing with indoor vertical farming is thinking about converting warehouses. And each one of our farms actually has a, a different story about how we've been able to repurpose abandoned buildings. We think about here in the U.S. where a lot of manufacturing has disappeared. Uh, we're able to breathe new life back into these buildings. And so each one of our farms has a different story. We've been able to convert uh, something that was part of the Ballantyne Brewery. We, we've been able to convert something that was formerly a steel mill. We were able to convert something that was formerly a, a nightclub. And it's all about how do we create the perfect environment for the plants. Growing food without the influences of sun, soil, and weather means vertical farmers must control the growing process. That's a challenge AeroFarms meets with data and technology. Seeding is automated, while data and analytics guide and optimize every step of the plant's growth. David Rosenberg. Plants have different needs for nutrients, micronutrients, 
spectrum, intensity, frequency, temperature, humidity, all these features. And, and there's incredible specificity and controls in vertical farming at arrow farms. So for example, most farmers in leafy greens, you seed, you put in nutrients, and then you rewater several times before harvest. That's typically a 40-day span. Here, our plants are grown in 14 days on average, sometimes as little as four days. And our nutrients and micronutrients aren't just once right when seeding, but we re-nutrient every 15 minutes. And we make adjustments depending on what the uptake is of the root structure. The sustainability benefits of vertical farming have moved arrow farms beyond the experimental to make them a full-blown commercial enterprise. I'm a big believer that commerce, business, is the fastest route to change the world because if the economics of a business makes sense, our impact as a business, as a businessman, could be bigger. It could scale faster and could have, therefore, greater and greater impact. One such impact is in the company's minimal need for water, especially compared to conventional farming. Mark Oshima. 70% of fresh water uh, in the world goes to agriculture. And 70% of the pollution of our fresh water is coming from agriculture due to the overuse of pesticides and fertilizers. And so we're able to grow um, in a much more efficient way. When we talk about the aeroponics, we're actually misting the roots. Uh, so it's not a sprinkler system that you have a lot of dehydration or evaporation in the air. We're talking about targeting right to the roots exactly, and we're looking even down to the micron size, how to enhance that absorption of the water and the nutrients to optimize uh, the growing situation for the plants. So we're leveraging technology to think very specifically around our most precious resource around water. Another benefit is proximity. Conventional produce might travel thousands of miles over several days to get to market. City-grown crops get to market fast with a much smaller carbon footprint. So within 24 hours, the product is harvested and delivered you know, to major supermarkets, to major food service companies. And so this is really uh, the next stage of just-in-time growing and what we think is going to be the, the norm for the future. The thread that runs through this vertical farming operation is digitization. Data taken from the warehouse farm informs R&D, sales, marketing, operations, quality assurance, and food safety. At first, Aero Farms embraced the mantra, big info, big data. When that began to feel expensive, the mantra evolved to smart data. David Rosenberg embraces the idea of disruptive innovation. But he understands the turbulence that comes with any challenge to conventional thinking. And so does Professor De Pommier. Remember, this is an industry that's only seven years old. So people who criticize it and say, you know, vertical farming is not natural. Well, P.S., neither is outdoor farming. Uh, try to look around the world to find any natural system that makes only one thing when it grows. What is natural for David Rosenberg is the need to choose partners whose products and whose culture embrace sustainability. An example of an integrated technology solution is the Dell rugged laptops. So you could imagine people walking around in a farm trying to capture information and take notes real time, share it with others, and things sometimes fall. So the rugged nature of some of the hardware is important. 
And this is one example of where we've been able to partner with people to have smart solutions. Mark Oshima agrees. When we think about partnerships at AeroFarms, what's really important is that we think about companies that have shared visions, shared values. And Dell's been a great partner in thinking about the environment, thinking about sustainability, and thinking about broader impact within the, the, the community. The shared vision and values resonate strongly with Paige Motes, Dell Technologies' Director of Sustainability. Our new 2030 social impact goals um, have several pillars, and the advancing sustainability pillar clearly is, you know, the one that fits in my wheelhouse. And within that pillar, there are three things. Accelerating the circular economy, protecting the planet, and championing the many people who build our products. And within those three themes, there's a series of goals, but innovation has to be at the heart of all of those. It is really exciting to see that AeroFarms is not only addressing the global food crisis, but they're innovating in this space, and that Dell uh, gets to be their technology partner. It's uh, quite an honor for us. That make-the-world-better philosophy, which drives AeroFarms' corporate culture, extends also to its place in the community and to the people it hires. So I'm very proud that we recently received a few months ago an award by the state of New Jersey, Governor Murphy, for our work with the New Jersey Reentry Program. In the U.S., we have a big problem in recidivism, meaning that people come out of jail and then they go back to jail. And here, I personally believe you pay your debt to society, society should take someone back. So after someone pays their debt, serves their time in jail, We've been able to look past that and give people opportunities at Aero Farms and had had great success promoting people that come from the reentry program. And that's something we will continue doing as we find other ways to inspire people in our communities, to certainly feed people in our communities and have a stronger impact. Again, not just environmentally, not just through shareholder economics, but also impacting our communities from a societal standpoint. When Stacy Flanagan first visited AeroFarms and met the team, she quickly saw the value of the sustainability it brought to the community. She's Director of Health and Human Services for Jersey City. We have been working with AeroFarms to create vertical farming platform across Jersey City. We're looking to install 10 farms in every neighborhood, and this is with one city funding and grant dollars that are integral into many of the programs that we already have doing nutrition education, but doing more personal touch. So when you become a member or you wanna register to pick up an AeroFarm in your neighborhood, AeroFarm Greens, so we're gonna be growing a series of different nutrient-dense greens. As citizens gradually warm to the idea of vertical farming, Stacy Flanagan sees a clear benefit. I think it's twofold. Some are thinking this is a great idea. We can bring 20,000 pounds of greens. That's about 60 to 65,000 servings of greens into the, in the community. Some people feel like we should be investing more in community gardens. Community gardens can't grow that quickly. And, you know, some soil is just not ripe to grow on in our community. So I think we're getting both sides. I think we have a lot more excitement behind, there's gonna be an arrow farm in my neighborhood. I wanna check it out. 
We're growing things without soil. We're growing things with air and water. We're growing things with new technology that can make our city more resilient and get more people food where they need it. Over the generations, the women and men who've teased crops from the earth have relied on a wide range of skills. The farmer is part horticulturalist, part mechanic, part economist, meteorologist, and philosopher. Now, as the needs of a hungry world are changing, so are farmers. The women and men of today's tech-driven vertical farms are also electrical engineers, lighting engineers, industrial engineers, PLC engineers, and data scientists as likely to live in a downtown high-rise as along a rural road, as likely to carry a transit pass as keys to a pickup. Today, as always, farmers feed cities. It's just that now, some are doing it from downtown. This is Technology Powers X, an original podcast from Dell Technologies. For more information on Dell Technologies' Progress Made Real Social Impact Program, please visit delltechnologies.com slash progress made real. For more information on Dell Latitude laptops and two-in-ones, please visit delltechnologies.com slash latitude. And to learn more about this episode, our speakers, and to read the transcript, visit DellTechnologies.com slash TechnologyPowersX. I'm Danielle Applestone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>